0: is live. It is Tuesday night November 16th the year of our Lord 2021 fresh off a batch of playoff rankings being released which of course we will react to. We are jam packed high atop downtown Nashville Tennessee. A lot of you think your coaches are more secure than they are and to be honest You know who I'm talking about a lot of you think maybe your jobs are a little bit better than they are. Some of you may be underestimating your job, so there is a flip side of that coin. There's a lot going on in the coaching world. I'm going to discuss it tonight. As I said, we're going to have immediate rapid reaction to the playoff rankings being released. It is Tuesday night, which of course means we have week. What are we in now? 12? We got week 12 predictions already. All that plus we are adding what three more best bets, including one that I believe is happening tonight which just stands to reason it's very important that you're following Twitter and Instagram at Josh because you missed said plays already if you are not following and you're going to miss three points of line value at the very least, even if you still are able to get on it. We are training headlong into another great show and another trip. This weekend, the Renaissance Tour headed to Columbus, Ohio. Very excited to get up to Buckeye Land because, number one, I have not been to a game at Ohio Stadium, and number two, Got some old friends in Ohio. It's gonna get to do a little catching up on Friday, get the big noon kickoff on Saturday, And uh, again, you know my affinity for the big noon kickoff. I don't really care what network it's on, because this weekend, it's not even on Fox. So I call it big noon kickoff. It's almost transcended. It's like Coke in the South. Anything carbonated is Coke. Anything happening at noon is the big noon kickoff for me now. And there you see it, the Renaissance Tour headed into Columbus, Ohio for Michigan State at Ohio State. We will break that game down, offer up a preview and prediction before we go off the air tonight. But that's not what we're going to lead the show with because we just saw, now granted our feed wasn't great in the control room, but we just saw the playoff rankings released. So let's get some reaction. Playoff rankings released, what is the takeaway? What are the takeaways here? Well, first, let's just recap it quickly because I have hand-drawn on the back of this piece of paper, the one through 25, they spent an inordinate amount of time on 25 to 21. God bless Utah and UTSA, but what were we doing? So having said that, as the vacuum cleaner cranks up outside, let's talk about the um, the top of this thing. And I got several takeaways. I don't think this is being sold as a very, very uh, combustible show. I don't think that these are combustible rankings. There wasn't really a shocker, but I got some things I want to talk about. So the top 10, uh, just to run it down, in case you're listening on podcast tomorrow morning, Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State. Cincy is still at number five, which I was mildly surprised by, but you know, mildly and mildly alone. Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, just asterisks the uh, Cowboys for now, and Wake Forest at number 10. So the first thing when I was watching this with producer Jesse and director Colin, they were sitting right there, I said, man, we gotta talk about Michigan, Michigan State, because that's where a lot of people's attention has been. Now, it's not that I expected Michigan State to jump Michigan. I am telling you what's aggravating me more and more about the entire conversation surrounding this, is the phrase, it'll work itself out. Yes, it will work itself out in this particular case. But for about three weeks now, I have had a growing level of aggravation about the phrase, oh, it'll work itself out. Hey, Michigan State, Michigan this year, yeah, it will work itself out. So you can look at me with good conscience and you can tell me, well, it doesn't matter, it's semantics, one over the other. It doesn't matter if one beat the other. Head to head, it matters, but it's really irrelevant because don't worry, it'll work itself out. Well, it does matter. It matters a whole lot. It just may not matter this particular year, but keep in mind, we're not 100 years into this process. We're about seven years into the process. And so every year we get further into this, you're doing two things. Number one, you're defining your principles and you are setting precedent. Those things are still mightily important right now in this whole process. So you wanna know why someone like me may get a little bit out of shape when you have comparable teams and a head-to-head result is not appreciated or respected enough it's not because of this year. Of course, this is going to work itself out. Of course, where Michigan and Michigan State are, uh, is a moot point at the moment because of the games that they still have to play. But what happens if we apply the same logic that's being followed right now in 2023, when there are two teams that have played each other, but they don't exactly have a murderer's row left in front of them. And you've just decided one of them's better than the other one, regardless of what you actually see and play out on the field. What if we don't? in other words, have a path or a scenario where it'll just work itself out. If it'll work itself out then, then how about giving me what it should be now? And if you're just telling me that, well, Michigan should be ahead of Michigan State. Well, tell me that, okay? And then don't tell me afterwards it'll work itself out. And then we can go down a different road and we could argue different criteria but I, I tell you like the more i listen to that the more it kind of rubs me the wrong way not because i'm trying to manufacture some outrage here i don't care really about talking about this to be honest with you we got much better things to do on the show tonight but i'm not doing what a lot of other people out there are doing a lot of other people are faking this stuff for clicks i don't really care if you click on this or not i'm telling you this won't matter this year but using similar logic could matter down the road so that's what has me a little bit out of shape about where michigan state is in relation to Michigan. We will see the Spartans Saturday where they will have an opportunity to jump Michigan. That doesn't derail the point I just made. It actually validates the point I just made. All right, so this whole Big 10 bumper car scenario that we talked about at length last week is still in play. Uh, One part of that though is no longer an option. See Penn State over Michigan could have really thrown a wrench into all this, but now we don't have that as a possibility because Michigan went and beat Penn State but the big 10 bumper car scenario to be clear is what would have to happen for no big 10 team to make the playoff there's been a lot of talk various points in the year will it be one big 10 team or two big 10 teams well we prefer disaster around here at least we prefer to present the route of potential disaster and it has been there and it is still there it's very unlikely but it's still there here's by the way we figure it what would have to happen you would need Michigan State to probably beat Penn State or beat Ohio State Saturday. It's not required, but it would probably give you easily the best path to the bumper car scenario. Then you'd need Ohio State to beat Michigan at the end of the year. And you would, in the meantime, need Penn State to go into East Lansing and beat Michigan State, which would send, uh, by our count, a two loss team to Indianapolis to face, let's just say, Wisconsin. That's one path. There is another path, though, that is growing, I would say, more and more likely by the week as Wisconsin gets things figured out, and that is this. It could be that Ohio State wins the rest of their games. It could be that Michigan wins the rest of their games. It could be that Michigan State wins the rest of their games, and a one-loss team from that division goes to the Big Ten title game, and they get knocked out by Wisconsin, and then you do not have a Big Ten team in the playoff. I think it's unlikely but it's not impossible. So that's something that I'm watching very closely, not just because of what it would do to the Big Ten, but all of a sudden it throws a whole new level of chaos potentially in this thing. For instance, if you're Notre Dame, which I'm gonna talk about later, if you're Cincinnati, um, if you have that thing where Alabama wins against Arkansas, wins against Auburn and loses close against Georgia, there are these two camps out there and there's one hardcore Obama will still be in if they lose close. And then there's this other camp, no way Bama's in neither of you are right. It depends on what else happens out there. That's what will determine whether a two loss Alabama were to make it in or not. That's why I haven't really gone down that path. But let's talk about that since we haven't gone down that path. This whole Georgia, Alabama, I I don't think a two loss Alabama is going to be in outside of, you know, the bumper car scenarios happening. But I will ask this. I'm very curious how that committee is going to handle it if Alabama does end up winning the remainder of the regular season games and they go to Atlanta and you cannot even begin to imagine the pressure cooker that game will be. If it does happen, Georgia Bama, if they go to Atlanta and Alabama beats Georgia narrowly, or I don't care. They beat them by three touchdowns. It's not a question of whether Georgia's still going to be in. Oh, Georgia'd be in. What I want to know is where are they dropping them? They dropping them all the way to four where it's, uh, Presumably, a rematch in the semifinal? Or are they dropping them to two or three, where the earliest you could have a rematch would be the national championship game? I have not gotten an answer on this. Either way, that I think makes a ton of sense. There are people out there who are adamant that, well, if they had a rematch or a threat of a rematch, they'd want it to be in the semifinal so they could avoid the rematch in the title game, and therefore they could also avoid an all SEC title game. And then there's this other camp that says, no, 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 no. They're not going to have Georgia-Bama play an SEC championship game and then play again immediately. And to both of those, I'm like, why? Where is that written? How do you know that? No one knows. That's the point. It's still new, even though we're seven years in. We're still going through several different scenarios for the first time. If this were the AP poll, we would have decades of case study. We would have decades of predictable behavior modeling that we could use to foresee how a voter in Des Moines, Iowa would handle such things. I don't know how the AD at Rutgers or the associate AD of Utah, whoever's on this committee, I don't know how they're going to handle that. And the last thing I want to do is I want to look off in the distance. There it is. There's the shark fin and it's got a big N and it's got a big D on it. Notre Dame's still out there. Jesse, where were they at? Notre Dame was eighth. They were eighth in the rankings tonight. So Notre Dame's just kind of swimming around. It's a little proverbial shark fin out there. It's way offshore right now. You're not really worried about it. Uh, Maybe you should be worried about it because their toughest remaining hurdle was last week and they really stuffed Virginia. How does Notre Dame get in this thing? Well, I heard a lot of conversation about this on the show where they were revealing the rankings and uh, best I could tell the conclusion that was arrived at is Notre Dame can't get in this. Why you may ask? because Cincinnati's in the way, and the committee's gonna honor head-to-head. Well, there are two potential issues with that, friends. Number one, no one told you Cincinnati's gonna be undefeated. You just assume it. And secondly, even if Cincinnati is undefeated, there's this other thing, or maybe things that could happen, that again, will greatly determine how high Notre Dame can climb. For instance, what if Oregon loses this Saturday, or what if Oregon loses in the Pac-12 championship game, What if the Big Ten bumper car scenario were to happen? Do you quickly see how that, along with Georgia knocking Bama out, do you quickly see how that maybe, along with Cincinnati losing a game or any combination of those things? Do you quickly see how there isn't all that much that stands in the way between Notre Dame and a potential four seed in that playoff? I hear your teeth grinding even as I say that, and I know what you're thinking. And you know, because we've had it out on this show before that I've disagreed with you in the past on Notre Dame. I think they deserved it when they've been in. You don't. That's fine. We're not relitigating that. But I am telling you, Notre Dame's not quite as out of this thing as many believe. Only because they've convinced themselves already Cincinnati's going to be undefeated. That's not a given. It's just a likelihood. It's not a given. Cincinnati has not been playing elite level football they've been playing get me to the next week football and so they've got SMU they've probably got Houston I think in the conference championship game they could lose they could still lose and at that point your head to head it really doesn't matter because the strength of schedule is going to be greatly tilted towards Notre Dame and they would jump Cincinnati so I'm just telling you there's still a lot even though there's only two regular season weeks left November's still really long guys these last two weeks in that conference championship weekend still a lot that can happen which reminds me, there's a lot that can happen in life. There always is. Um, Just remove some of the guesswork about where you're going to go to get your tailgating gear or like I did today, your wardrobe. Now, I don't know if it's going to come in in time for me to make the trip to Columbus, Ohio this Saturday, but it will certainly be here in time for Thanksgiving. I went to academy.com and I didn't even use my own gift cards. Which I think is a character move, by the way, that I need to get a ton of credit for. No, I did not use my own gift cards. Those are for you guys. I have a fresh envelope, by the way. And so if you see me in Columbus, Ohio, or the surrounding area this Saturday, I will be freely handing those things out. No string attached to it. I don't yank it out of your hand afterwards and say, ah, but you got to sign up for this. It's just free. From Academy to you through me. I'm a middleman. You, You wouldn't arrest a guy for just delivering drugs from one person to another, would you? That's a Michael Scott line. That's not a JP line. Look, Academy Sports and Outdoors is our partner. They are our only partner. And that is for a reason. Because they completely take care of all of our needs on this show. And I'm guaranteeing you, whether it be grills or canopies or long sleeve t-shirts or anything in between, they can take care of all of your needs both at the tailgate and in your closet. And so Academy.com, if you don't have a store in your town, Academy Sports and Outdoors, if you do have a store in your town, make it a point to get by there and then make it a point to let me know you went by there. Because I really enjoy hearing about that because the first thing I do is I click, click, click and I forward it right on to them. And it says to them, hey, these people actually listen. Hey, that show might actually be worth investing in. So if you're listening on podcast, I just bowed hands clasped in thanks to you for making all that happen. So I told you we're going to the game. Let's be a little bit more specific. We're going to a game this weekend. Let's break it down. Michigan State at Ohio State, Buckeyes by 19. That is your current point spread, courtesy of our folks over at Caesars. It is a Saturday noon Eastern time kickoff. I don't even need to tell you why I'm smiling, but it's on ABC. It's not the Fox noon kickoff. Everybody can get in the noon kickoff party window. The stage is getting really big for CJ Stroud, for Ohio State, for Michigan State. Stage is getting really big and it's CJ Stroud's time if you're talking national title, if you're talking Big Ten, if you're talking Heisman, for that matter. And speaking of Heisman, we did an entire roundtable today. It's available on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Have you guys thought about this? For those of you who care about the Heisman a whole lot, have you thought about the little Heisman subplot, shall we say, that is really going to be on display in this game? What I mean is C.J. Stroud could go out and throw for 375 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions Saturday, and that would vault him right up to or, or keep him at least in the running at or near the top of the Heisman um, odds right now. However, if Ohio State were to lose Saturday, let's just entertain this for a second. It would be a big upset. And the headline would, of course, be, well, Michigan State just pulled an upset that we didn't expect to happen. And now they're right back thrust in the middle of the playoff discussion. They would probably jump Michigan. They would jump Ohio State. They would probably be in the top four, I would guess, come this time next week. Not to be a big deal, but is there any scenario you see Michigan State beating Ohio State without Kenneth Walker having a big day? Because I don't. And so by the very nature of Michigan State pulling off that upset number one, you've probably had Kenneth Walker ascend to or near the top of those Heisman odds and it's probably come at the expense of CJ Stroud. So there's this little inversion that could happen with two names. So there are a lot of subplots here. The storyline crowd should be just frothing at the mouth over this kind of matchup. Speaking of matchup, there is a perceived matchup nightmare for Michigan State. And I just want to ask, is it merely a bad matchup or is it a true outright nightmare matchup? Now that nightmare matchup, perceptionally, is this Ohio State passing game, which could not have clicked any more last week than it did, against a susceptible Michigan State secondary. And I know that you can dive into the stats a number of different ways. Some people choose to dive into the stat sheet and they look at, huh, total yards given up. Okay, Michigan State secondary, liability. And I'm not telling you it's not vulnerable. I would encourage you to look a little deeper and look at some of the efficiency metrics instead of just the raw yardage total cause that factors or, or rather fails to factor in for a lot of different qualifiers Uh, that don't necessarily carry over over game to game. They're not the best in terms of predictability. If you do that, Michigan State can still be had through the air. It's just not quite the nightmare matchup outside of just the fact you've got to go against Ohio State, period, that I think people are perceiving it to be. So I'm very interested to see, because even though that's not a nightmare, it's still tough to deal with. That receiving core when it's healthy, combined with that running game and that offensive line, pretty much every facet of the Ohio State offense, you know, you got to deal with it. And because you know you got to deal with it, I'm very interested to see how Michigan State chooses to come out of the gate offensively. There's conventional wisdom, and then there's what I think they'll probably do. Conventional wisdom would be know what got you to the dance. Guys like Kenneth Walker, they got you to the dance, so ride them and try and let the game settle in and try and dictate the tempo. And that, of course, is one option. However, I do not think that this will be a four quarter sustained Michigan state controlled game that way. If Michigan state controls the majority of the game and ends up in the fourth quarter with a chance to win this, what's probably happened is they've probably taken some shots early via play action. They've probably watched as have all of us, the liability at times that Ohio state has on the back end of their defense, specifically one safety spot. We had a high school in Columbus, Shaw high school. Um, If you get it, you get it. If you don't, let's just move on. But there are plays to be had on the back end of that Ohio State secondary. Now, do you hit those big plays early? If you hit the big plays early, hey, there's a lot of benefit to that, obviously. You get some chunk yardage early, maybe you get in the end zone, maybe you grab an early lead. But at the very least, what you do is, even if you don't score, you show them you're willing to do it and You keep them guessing defensively instead of keying on Kenneth Walker and yelling across the line of scrimmage, we're going to make you beat us throwing the ball because we don't think you can beat us throwing the ball. Well, beat them throwing the ball early. How about that? That's the best way to take care of that. So I'm interested to see that. Here's what can't happen. What can't happen is a repeat of the last time I saw Michigan State in person. Now you would think, well, that sounds dumb. They won the game, didn't they? Well, they did. I'm not talking about the result. I'm talking about the start to the game where that team ended up trailing 30 to 14. Can't have a 30 to 14 situation for Michigan State because unlike that day in East Lansing, I'm not quite sure this team in scarlet and gray. And by the way, thank you, Ohio State, for wearing the traditional uniform. That's it, that's all, thank you for that. Um, Shouldn't have to ask for it, but these days sometimes we do, so thank you for that can't be trailing Ohio State 30 to 14 I don't think there's a comeback in the cards if they are so they got to maintain balance on offense certainly they have to force threes instead of sevens I saw um, who was it Uh, it was it was it was Spartan Rocky I think today it was over on Bucknuts and it's a mod I love the message boards this time of year by the way I'm going to talk about that later so Spartan Rocky comes over there and he is a friendly face but a Michigan State face and he put it this way I thought I agreed with it wholeheartedly he said It's probably inevitability that Michigan State's going to give up over 500 yards total offense. The question is, does that coincide with Ohio State scoring 31 points? Or does it coincide with them scoring like 45 or 50 points? Uh, That's probably the difference in this game. So hit Stroud is the other thing. So so you got to limit the sevens. You got to force the threes. You probably got to be plus one or plus two turnovers. You got to affect CJ Stroud physically, but therefore affecting him mentally. And at that point, if it's one possession in the fourth quarter, you take your chances. So let's take a look at what the model thinks about this game, Jesse. The Vegas number is fat. It's very big. It is Ohio State minus 19. Our model has had a great grasp on Ohio State the whole year. It's a little bit shorter. It's inside 17. So our number is Ohio State minus 16 and a half. Saw no real reason to deviate from this. Uh, I've got Ohio State winning the game. I have Michigan State covering anything over 17. And I think that because of some big plays they make early in the game, it gets a little bit harder for Ohio State to stretch it like they did against Purdue. See, we got the game we thought we'd get for Ohio State against Purdue last week. Think a different start yields a different end product even though we do see Ohio State winning the game in the end. But hey, we'll be on hand either way. We're looking forward to it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, All right, I'm going to get to Oregon, Utah in a little while. But before we do that, boy, I had the inbox blown up today. And more so than even game predictions or playoff, you guys wanted to talk about coaching. So let's talk about the coaching carousel. Here's where we are as of this hour. And I'm just going to read the jobs that are open. And then we're going to talk about the jobs that may be rumored to be coming open. Because to be honest with you, there are a couple of them that are commanding a lot of my attention right now, and they're both in the Sunshine State. So LSU, of course, is open. We got TCU open, Southern Cal, Washington State, Virginia Tech opened today, 7 a.m. this morning. I wake up, first thing I see, Justin Fuente out. The old Tuesday sunrise special, if you will. I don't have a ton on that right now, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on Fuente today, Stay tuned on Justin Fuente, and stay tuned on the Virginia Tech job. Also, Washington is open, so Jimmy Lake is out there. Of course, also, you've got Akron, Florida International, and UMass, and then you've got rumors about Florida. You've got hot rumors today about Miami. So let's start with LSU, the very latest that we have heard from Baton Rouge. Here is my opinion. It is my opinion that you should just outright live on message boards this time of year. Some people make fun of message boards. And yes, there is some ratchet behavior from time to time on message boards. LSU, chief among them, those guys know how to act, and equally, or maybe more so, they know sometimes not how to act. But LSU message boards have been gold. I'm surfing them constantly. I'm not saying they're my source of information. They are my source of entertainment. And I'll just tell you, like, Tiger Bait Lawyer, I'll shout one out right now. I'm watching, and I hear you. Emoji. I can't can't do the smoking emoji on air. I'll get in trouble. I am a Viacom employee. I'm watching. I hear you. So my encouragement to you is forsake some time with your family this time of year and surf the message boards. Where has that ever gone wrong? Where has that strategy ever gone wrong? So the hot name is obviously Lincoln Riley right now. It's not Jimbo Fisher. Jesse asked me, do you need any Jimbo Fisher B-roll? No, because that's never been in the cards and it's not going to happen. So we're not going to talk about Jimbo Fisher. Lincoln Riley is worth talking about. Oklahoma folks are convinced he's staying put. Some LSU folks are convinced they got a shot. I do believe they have a shot. I don't believe anything's finalized. I do believe they have a shot. Uh, Lincoln Riley gave the non-denial sort of quasi-committal to the job. He answered it the best way he could today. I think there's a lot going on in two cities tonight. I think there's a lot going on in Norman. And I think there's a lot going on in Baton Rouge. And I think this is in play. I do not have any firsthand information that anything's been decided either way. I do think it's in play. LSU is a better job than Oklahoma, but that's not the deciding factor here. The deciding factor is, how happy is Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma? And if the answer is happy, he's staying put. If he's satisfied, he's staying put. Even if he understands, uh, LSU's probably a little bit better job than I have here. No, you don't take the leap. If you're already on cloud nine, you probably don't take the leap to try and reach cloud 10. It's just not smart, and that's not the way that anyone would counsel their client to act. So, yeah, I do think there's some traction there. I don't know that I would be you know, overly encouraged to get an update in the next 24, 48 hours, but it is not surprising to me that those rumors are lingering and they haven't immediately been shot down. Outside of that, I'm going to circle back around to a name with LSU in a little while. At Florida, Dennis Dodd on CBSSports.com today had a feature where he said, According to sources around Gainesville, there is no move expected before the end of the year when it comes to Dan Mullen. That's not a shock. I don't think anyone expects there to be a move. You know, if they lose by three to Missouri Saturday, if there wasn't already a move after they got pasted in Columbia, South Carolina, there's not gonna be a move before the end of the year. That's not surprising. What will be surprising to me is if Dan Mullen is retained as the head coach at Florida. So I continue to maintain the stance that I've had there for the last week, but I'm telling you this, if there is a sentiment around that program that we need to wait and see how he handles the Missouri game or we need to wait and see how he handles the Florida State game, I'm telling you that is a recipe for disaster. It is horrific decision-making if after four years, you do not have enough in your portfolio to formulate an opinion of your head coach to where eight quarters of football is all of a sudden gonna tell the tale for you. You can't be allowing that to happen. And if anybody's in the decision-making chair down there who actually is of that mentality, I don't know where the dump button is, I don't know if you can just push them out the door for a second, but you take their mic from them, whatever you gotta do, you cannot let people who are of that mentality be making decisions. Because it's it's not a way to run an athletic department, it's not a way to make these kinds of, this is a huge decision. Anytime you're changing head coaches, this is a five year, 10 year type decision. If you get it right, the next decade's great. If you get it wrong, you could be the University of Tennessee. Ask them how the last decade has gone. You can't be knee jerk, especially if the coach has been there four years. You know everything. There's not a prayer that you'll learn something about Dan Mullen over the next four weeks. Like what if they win? What if they win both games by four points? What have you learned? He went two and oh, what have you learned? Did it all of a sudden erase what's happened the last two years? And, you know, if they lose the games by four, does it erase what's happened the last two weeks and two years? No, it doesn't. So he is who he is. So you already have enough to make a decision. Having said that, let's stay in the state of Florida, but let's go down the road a pretty good ways. I've made this drive a couple of times. I want to take you to Coral Gables, Florida, uh, because that is where we have had a change. Not at head coach. Yep. But Miami has rid themselves of athletic director Blake James. And this was rumored for a little while. It's why when we did the Manny Diaz segment about three or four weeks ago, I kind of paired it at the hip. I paired Manny Diaz and Blake James, kind of hinted around about athletic director. There was a thought down there amongst some that a move at athletic director could come before head coach. And that indeed has happened. So with Blake James out as athletic director, it to me is a foregone conclusion. Even if you got a couple of board of trustee members in your back pocket, to me, it's a foregone conclusion that there will be a head coaching change down there. It's probably a matter of when, not a matter of if. Priority 1A for whoever the new athletic director is that they get in down there, is going to be go get Mario Cristobal. Now I don't have a problem with that. It would be a grand slam times 10 if Miami was able to get Mario Cristobal to come home. That's not where I had the issue where I had the issue is a lot of people I spoke to today seem to think that it's a foregone conclusion that a Mario Cristobal come running because now that you got Blake James out of the way who he was not exactly best friends with, and we're going to put a more friendly name in the AD's chair. That's the remaining hurdle. That's the one domino that needed to fall. Well, no, it's not. You got to be a better job than Oregon. That's the domino that needs to fall. And you may look back and you may say, what did he just say? Miami's got to be a better job than Oregon. Yeah, that's what I said. Because to be clear, Miami's not a better job than Oregon, and I'm not going to do the whole and it's not particularly close, but there is a little bit of gap here. This is a different world now, and if you've been cryogenically frozen over the last decade, this may come as a shock to you, but there are things they have at Oregon now that make that one of the best jobs in the country. And I'm telling you, when you hear people say things like money's not going to be an issue, or you hear people say things like, oh, we're ready to spend. First off, it's easy to say. It's a lot harder to do. Secondly, when they say that, they usually mean we're going to be able to match a coach's salary. That's not what you have to match. you got to match Nike's salary. That's what you have to match. And I'm telling you, Miami will not do it. I don't know if they're capable. they got a bunch of zeros on the end of the health fund down there. I'm telling you, I don't think they'll be able to do it. And I'm also telling you, you think it's just coaching salary that you got to match. dude. There are so many bells and whistles at Oregon you don't even know about. You look around, do you understand how valuable it is, for instance, not for your head coach, but for your assistant coaches to fly private on recruiting visits? Do you have any concept of how valuable that is when you reside in the Pacific Northwest and you have to recruit nationally? That is one of about a dozen to two dozen edges that Phil Knight, and the powers that be at Oregon have given that man Mario Cristobal that you're not gonna match. I'm telling you Miami's not gonna match it. You can get pissed off at it, but I'm not the one making decisions. I am telling you Mario Cristobal is in the best situation of any head coach in America right now. Here's why, he doesn't have to tell anyone no. He gets to enjoy the success he has at Oregon. He gets to enjoy all the perks he has at Oregon and he doesn't have to tell anyone no. When Miami comes calling, which they will, he doesn't have to tell Miami no. He can look Miami dead in their eyes and say, I'll take your job tomorrow. All you have to do is give me everything Oregon gives me. Miami then has to look at each other. They have to bow their chin. They have to tuck their tail, turn around, and walk out the door. Mario Cristobal never removes a smile from his face. Didn't have to tell his old folks no. He would have to tell his family down there no. He didn't tell anyone no. They told themselves no. That's how it'll go down. When this job eventually is offered to Mario Cristobal, you think you can match Oregon and you think you're a better program than Oregon. And I'm telling you, back in the day, you'd be two for two in assuming that. In 2021, you're 0 for two if you assume that. It's up to them to change it. It's up to them to change it. Uh, lastly, I was at Baylor this past weekend, and this is where I want to talk to LSU again. I was at Baylor this past weekend. I was around Dave Aranda. We got some time around Dave Aranda. Uh, Dave Aranda is never going to win a press conference for you, and therefore, because of that, he is not a he is not the hottest commodity. Let me say on a lot of these hot boards. You got to define what you want as a head coach. You got to define what you want in a head coach. If you want structure, if you want a sound organizational model, if you want a process-oriented mentality, if you want to get a guy that gets an organization to go over the cliff for him if you want a guy who can adapt which he's done mightily behind the scenes just in the last probably 12 to 18 months and a guy with the ability to instill a championship culture and a championship mentality and you're worried about winning games more than winning press conferences i am telling you up to and including usc and lsu hire dave aranda dave Aranda's the guy for you i don't care about his resume i don't care about the lack of experience he is going to go win championships somewhere. It can either be for you or it could be at the expense of you. Dave Aranda is going to be a star. You talk to folks at the high school level, you talk to folks at the college level. I dare you to go find anyone who doesn't have an axe to grind that speaks ill of him. It's the opposite. They, they completely put stars over their eyeballs when they talk about him, especially at the high school level. The folks who have interacted with him, coaches and whatnot, You go talk to them about Dave Aranda. You know, the folks who coach ball for a living, they know the game, they eat it, sleep it, breathe it, live it. Dave Aranda is the real deal. There are a lot of folks out there who sell that stuff. He is that stuff. Dave Aranda is that stuff. And if he ever gets that job and puts that on a T-shirt, I want some of those royalties. All right, let's move on. Uh, Speaking of the Oregon Ducks, we have another game to break down here. Oregon is at Utah this Saturday. It is a 7.30 Eastern kick on ABC. Utah is the favored team here. The Utes are favored by three. Uh, Utah is the quintessential knee-jerk team. They are the Pac-12 knee-jerk special this year. They started one and two. They have gone six and one since then. And then you got Oregon that could be this year's Clemson special. Clemson used to have a phrase about themselves called Clemsoning. And then they redefined what Clemsoning was, and now Clemsoning is peaking at the right time. They're not quite doing it this year, but there were several years there where Clemson looked very vulnerable early, and then they looked completely unbeatable late in the season. Oregon can do that. They can be the team that peaks at the right time. As a result, this could be game of the week type material. So I wanna know with Oregon, who again is the underdog in this game, is there a road formula for Oregon and by that, of course, some people mean there's a different style you play on the road than you play at home. I don't know if there is a road formula, per se. I think it's just the Oregon formula. It definitely needs to be the formula against Utah, because the attention for Oregon's is automatically going to go to the quarterback position. You know it. I know it. Everyone, Thursday and Friday, when they're previewing these games, they're going to be talking about Anthony Brown and they're gonna be talking about whether he can get it done on the road. He can get it done in a hostile environment. And I'm telling you, yeah, he's important. Uh, Travis Dye is the most important player in this game for Oregon, especially offensively. He's the most important player in this game. They were at Washington a couple of weeks ago. This is why I'm talking about road formula, cause they went up there and they rode Travis Dye. And they rode him to the tune of 28 carries for 211 yards. That was good for seven and a half per clip. And then you combine that with looking at Utah's conference loss this year, and that being at the hands of Oregon State, uh, who hung 260 on the ground against Utah. Oh, there's a formula there. And it plays right into the hands of how Mario Cristobal probably wants to play anyway. But if that whole Clemsoning theory holds true, and if Oregon is a team ready to peak at the right time, then that's where their rushing per carry average will be Saturday. It'll float in that somewhere between six and a half, seven and a half yards per carry range. They will minimum be plus one in the turnover battle because of what Kayvon Thibodeau can do and therefore what their corners can afford to do because of the pressure they're getting. And also they can leverage their athletic advantage. That is where early in the year, Oregon was falling flat. They have the athletic advantage outside of the Ohio State game, which ironically they won in spite of it. They have an athletic advantage over everyone they play. What's aggravating at times is when you watch Oregon They don't get to flex it because they don't put themselves in advantageous enough positions to flex it. But if to go back to the Clemson model, if they're peaking at the right time, one of the reasons they win this thing going away Saturday, if they do, will be because you're watching and you're saying, man, they just got better players and they're being put in position to maximize and leverage that edge they have. So, Jesse, let's take a look at what the model thinks on this game, because I know we had a little disagreement with our friends out there in the desert. Uh, By the way, again, at Caesars, currently Utah favored by three. The model has this thing down near a pick. It has Utah minus 0.5. Of course, when you eliminate home field, it's telling me Oregon's the better team here. I am going to ride a theory that I have that Oregon is ready to peak. And I don't know that they're going to play at the level Clemson did in those years that they won the national championship. Whatever Oregon's best brand of football is, I think we're going to see it. I think we're seeing it right now. And I think we're going to see a continuation of it this Saturday. If they get this done, to be clear, I'm picking Oregon to cover and win. If they get this done, it's gotta give them all the confidence in the world. To go to Oregon State, well, to play the Oregon State game, but then if you rematch with Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, it's gotta give you a ton of confidence. You already went to Salt Lake City, I mean, you feel a lot better about playing them in Vegas. But there you see the standings right now in the Pac 12. It's Utah in first place, and it's Oregon in first place. And the odds to win, by the way, which Jesse has put up here, the odds to win the conference. Oregon currently a minus 125 favorite, Utah right there at plus 120. Obviously, that could change as early as this Saturday. But we will take Oregon to cover the three and win outright. What I wanted to leave you with tonight, and thank you, by the way, let me, do my, let me do my ceremonial hello to the live chat there. I wanted to leave you with more best bets. So the Ramen Noodle Express has been chugging now that we've started to extend the amount of plays we put out. Uh, we've been above 500 every week since we've done that. So let's go down the list. Uh, some games that were already on. These have moved. I hope you got on them early. Notre Dame minus 15 and a half. Virginia plus 12 and a half. A lot of question out there about whether Armstrong quarterback is going to play for Virginia to be clear. We like the number either way, you know, by now we do not hesitate playing on backup quarterbacks, Virginia. You can get a number better than 12 and a half out there right now. We we think we don't need it. So I'm happy with 12 and a half. Uh, So we're taking Virginia, Minnesota minus six and a half. That is seven. Now take it at seven. We gave it out early for a reason. We wanted it at six and a half. All right, here are the games that we added at Late Kick Josh, Twitter and Instagram. We put these out last night. Lines have moved big time. That's why we put them out last night. We got Central Michigan plus two and a half. That line is now Central Michigan minus one. It crossed zero. We still like the chips, but I got to be real with you. It would not be an official play for us at one. It is plus two and a half. Uh, that game is tomorrow night, by the way. Eastern Michigan is playing right now. They are plus five and a half. We got them at plus five and a half. And also tomorrow night we got three weeknight games here so far. Northern Illinois minus one and a half at Buffalo. So we got Eastern Michigan playing now plus five and a half. We got Northern Illinois minus one and a half. Central Michigan plus two and a half. Minnesota minus six and a half. Virginia plus 12 and a half. Notre Dame minus 15 and a half. And it's only Tuesday. I would imagine double digit plays again this week. I would confidently predict that we will be in the double digits. I need one favor, probably two favors. I never ask for one and limit it to one. I need you to subscribe to the channel for the simple reason that 78% of you are still unsubscribed, even though it's free, and there are no strings attached to it either. And the other thing I need you to do, even though we're still in the top 10, I wanna be in the top five, why not, in overall football podcast. Let's get those five-star reviews, over 2,000. And it is something that you have to do if you have Apple, and if you've already done it with Apple Podcast, Look to your left and right. There's probably an iPhone somewhere around you. I know some of you have coworkers. I know some of you have family. They're all unsuspecting potential victims. Find their phone, and before they even know anything happened, find that Late Kick Podcast five-star review. Get out of there. Boom. Victimless crime. Everyone's helped. No one's hurt. And at the end of the day, we all benefit from it. And outside of that, I think we're done. So thank you so much for watching. We'll be back here same time Thursday night. Until then... For director Colin, for producer Jesse, I'm Josh Bate. Thanks so much. Have yourself a great evening, and God bless. kill his family the answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie to the can model where desire leads to deception i ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day it was addictive I can't get you out. and obsession leads to murder who did this to your family you can't really maintain a fantasy forever control all desire now streaming on paramount plus